0: This is Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast, episode number 16. In the fast-paced, high-tech world of construction today, 80% of the New Start construction companies go broke or out of business within the first year. In five years, only 2% of the construction companies remain. Construction Business Mastery is dedicated to providing educational information and resources necessary for construction companies to succeed and prosper. Hello, this is Glenn Wilson, and again, I'll be your host for this episode of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. This is our 16th podcast in a series of podcasts that are dedicated to assisting independent and medium-sized contractors succeed and prosper in the construction industry. In last month's podcast, we introduced a survey... That would help us with future programming of this podcast. We have received some very valuable information from the survey although not as many people took the survey as I would have hoped. So we are going to continue to leave the survey up this month, and I am requesting that everyone that listens to this podcast please take the time to complete the survey. And as I mentioned last month, I know your time is valuable, so we are going to continue to offer a free copy of my book, If It Didn't Happen in Writing, It Didn't Happen. You can take the survey by going to CBMA podcast forward slash survey. And in addition, we will put a link in the show notes at constructionbusinessmastery.com. We will be making a little change to the feature segment of our podcast based on the information that we did receive from those people taking the survey we are going to be including a short report on the construction spending and construction spending trends for the last month that we have records of, as well as year to date as of that report. I find it very interesting in doing this report that most of us are a very small part of a huge industry. Additionally, in the feature segment, we are going to be talking about construction market diversity and opportunities for new start construction companies in the legal segment we're going to be looking at a case involving a termination of a contract and liquidated damages in the safety section we're going to be looking at construction barricades and in the quick tips and bonuses section we have several new offers for you to take advantage of It is now time for the feature segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. The figures are now out for the construction spending for the month of November 2011. Construction spending for the month of November was estimated at an annual rate of $807.1 billion. This is 1.2% above the revised October estimate of $797.4 billion. The November figure is 0.5% above the November 2010 estimate of 803 billion. During the first 11 months of the year, construction spending amounted to 724.8 billion. That was 2.5% below the 743.6 billion for the same period in 2010. Private construction was up approximately 1% above the October estimates and public construction was up 1.7% above the October estimates. All in all, looking at the November construction spending estimates, this appears to be a very good sign for the construction industry. Some of the most positive results that we've seen in the past two years. This past week, I've been working with our staff accountants On closing out our books for 2011, I own controlling interest in three different construction company operations, and between all three companies, we did a little more than $3 million in total construction volume last year. Compared to the $807.1 billion construction market in this country, our little $3 million really does make me feel like a pretty small fish in a great big pond. Here I want to share with you a little bit of personal history going back several years and how we have had to change our business operations and look at diversity. In 2006, I owned just one construction company, and that year we did approximately $6 million in total gross sales. In comparison, at the end of November of 2006, The total construction market in this country was one trillion one hundred eighty-four point one billion dollars These comparative figures show the substantial downturn in the construction industry being almost 32% in the past five years. We have had to diversify our construction operations and look for new markets, specialized markets. And even though at the end of this year we have done half the volume that we did in 2006... Our profitability on our total gross sales has been substantially better. And I relate this to being in a more diversified market. The one thing I learned very quickly is that we could not continue to do the same thing the same way that we've been doing it for the past five years in this economy and continue to survive in the construction industry. There are a lot of opportunities out there for specialty markets in the construction industry that you can look into as the market that you may be currently involved in is continuing to fluctuate or decline. Two areas that have been very good to us have been focused on energy and green design and construction. One of the better examples that I know of as far as diversifying a construction company is a good friend of mine who was a hardwood flooring contractor. The traditional hardwood flooring installation market dried up to about 50% of what it had been in 2006. My friend looked at where money was currently being spent and found that there was a strong market still in the green industry providing flooring with reclaimed lumber. He reorganized his business and began scouring the countryside for old barns that he could tear down, reclaim the lumber, went to an auction site, purchased a shaper, and began producing reclaimed lumber hardwood flooring, which he could produce at about half the cost of traditional flooring and charge a substantially higher markup when he resold it as a completed installation. There are many opportunities like this in all of our construction endeavors. We just need to start thinking outside the box and finding new ways of providing our goods and services and providing better value to our clients. There is another phenomenon that we have seen develop over the last 12 months. That is the increase in the number of New Start small construction companies. We've seen an increase in single entrepreneurial ventures starting up, in a lot of cases due to unemployment benefits running out for our construction worker population. And I think this is a very healthy spark in our economic recovery. Our economic recovery is not going to come from big government spending or corporations, It's going to come from individual entrepreneurs starting up their own businesses and stepping out and providing jobs in the private marketplace. Small, independent, and medium-sized businesses account for 65% of the employment in this country. There are a lot of opportunities out there for New Start construction ventures, particularly in diversified markets. One thing is for sure is that they're not going to be able to take our construction industry and move it overseas. We're still going to be wiring up buildings. We're going to be nailing one board together to another or laying one brick on top of another or pouring concrete into forms, just like we've always done for a long time maybe technologically trying to find better ways of doing it, but they can't export those jobs out of this country. Those things still need to be done here by our own people. But to succeed in these ventures, you have to have the proper education, tools, and perseverance to make it. I strongly recommend that if you're just starting out in the construction business, or if you've been in business for a few years, continue to learn and educate yourself in every way possible about the current trends and what's going on in the construction industry. Learn new techniques and ways of making your job more effective and more efficient learn to be more productive with less time plan for your business to provide a lifestyle for you not you just constantly working for a job set your goals for your business and achieve them And now it's time for the legal segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. This month, we're going to take a look at a case where a developer hired a general contractor to construct an apartment complex. When the general contractor did not complete the project on time, his contract was terminated, and the ensuing lawsuit included both the completion cost and liquidated damages. A federal appeals court applying Missouri law has ruled that when a contract is terminated for default after the contractual completion date, the project owner may continue to assess liquidated damages for a reasonable period of time. McKinsey House LLC developer of a multi-building apartment complex in Kansas City area awarded a general construction contract to Wheats Company, LLC. Wheats failed to complete the project within the contractual stipulated number of days. McKinsey terminated the contract for default and withheld payment of the contract balance. Wheat sued McKinsey in Federal District Court for the contract balance. The project owner counterclaimed for the cost of completing the project as well as liquidated damages for late completion. A jury awarded McKinsey more than 1.9 million in completion cost and 3 million in liquidated damages. Wheats appealed, arguing that under Missouri law, when a contract is terminated for default, the project owner may recover the cost of completion, but not continue to assess liquidated damages after termination. The U.S. District Court of Appeals for the 8th District rejected the contractor's contention. The case relied on by Wheats involved a default termination prior to the contractual completion deadline. In this case, the deadline had already passed when McKenzie terminated the Wheat's contract for default. The court ruled that under those circumstances, the project owner could continue to assess liquidated damages for a reasonable amount of time after the default. The jury verdict awarding McKenzie both the cost of completion and liquidated damages was affirmed. When grounds for default are, at least in part, late completion of the project, it seems reasonable that the project owner's exercise of its contractual rights to a default termination should not deprive the owner from the contractual right of liquidated damages. What really surprises me in reading this case is that there does not seem to be any Evidence presented about the documentation for the cause of the late completion. For example, weather delays or material delivery problems are things that may have been beyond the general contractor's control. It is important that we clearly understand contracts that we sign, particularly those containing clauses for liquidated damages and provide proper documentation when events occur that may cause a delay in the project completion date. If we don't, we may be stuck with a situation that is very unacceptable. And now it's time for the safety segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. It's not often that I get a chance to sit down and watch TV in the evening. Like most of us that own our own construction companies, I generally am at work. But a few nights ago, I did get an opportunity to do just that and was watching one of the, I don't remember whether it was Law & Order or CSI, but one of the cop shows on television that I do enjoy. And they had a scene about a construction site and a murder there. And at one point, the heroine of the show was running through this 20, 30-story building, concrete structure. And the bad guy pushes her off the edge of the building, and she catches herself. Well, to be honest, I had to take a double take, because immediately I noticed that there were no barriers at the edge of any of these concrete slabs 20 stories in the air. Boy, would have OSHA would have had a field day with that job site. So I decided this month we're going to take a look at areas that need barriers or guards. Any area that poses a physical threat to workers and or pedestrian requires barriers or guards. Areas that typically require permanent or temporary protection include the following. Stairways, hatches, chutes, open manholes, elevated platforms... Area with moving machinery, excavation sites, construction sites, temporary wall or floor openings, door openings into construction sites. The following are some guidelines that need to be adhered to when using barriers and guards. When working in the education industry, either at schools or universities, it's important that we notify the Office of Students with Disabilities where barriers are to be used. This is something that's often overlooked, but I believe is really essential and good courtesy. When necessary, reroute pedestrians and vehicle traffic to completely avoid a construction site. Guard any permanent ground openings into which a person could fall with a guardrail, load-bearing cover, or physical barrier. Ensure that temporary floor openings, such as pits and open manholes, are guarded by secure, removable guardrails. If guardrails are not available, have someone guard the opening. Ensure that all stairways, ladderways, hatchways, or chute floor openings have guardrails or hinged covers. Ensure that enclosed stairways with four or more steps have at least one rail and that open stairways with four or more steps have two rails. Ensure that all platforms and walkways that are elevated or located next to moving machinery or equipment are equipped with handrails, guardrails, and boards. Barricade any wall openings through which a person or tools could fall. Use gates, doors, guardrails, or other physical barriers to block the opening. Mark and guard any excavation that is deeper than 12 inches. Mark and or guard mark and guard potholes and sidewalk damage as appropriate protect smoke detectors with some type of cover when construction work such as dust or fume producing activities may affect smoke detectors remove protectors immediately at the end of the activity or at the end of each day as i continued to watch the rest of the show that i mentioned earlier i started looking for all types of safety violations that i saw as these police actors wandered through this construction site and i figured by the time that this construction company was done they'd be in about the uh, five million dollar fine category truthfully i'm not even sure how they were permitted to use the set for a movie or a show production as we think about the barriers and guardrails It's important to keep our workers safe, but with barriers and guardrails, it's also important to keep those people that are in and around our job sites that are not a part of them safe as well. now for the quick tips and bonuses section of the construction business mastery alliance podcast the quick tip i have for this month really is in the form of advice and you know advice is just what it is you can either accept it or reject it it's your choice when i started the construction business mastery alliance and this podcast over two years ago it was in an effort to help independent and medium-sized contractors succeed I had witnessed over the past five years a large number of independent contractors going broke on projects that we had to the tune of one to two on every project. And I really felt that this was due to their lack of knowledge and what they needed to know to actually be in business. They knew their trade very well. They were good at it, but they didn't know how to run a business. So here's my advice. If you've just gone into business within the last five years or since 2006, and especially if you've just gone into the business in the last two years, find a mentor or a coach that you can talk to and discuss your business problems and what's going on in your construction business. Find someone that has successfully run a construction business for 10 years or longer. I also advise that you offer to pay them something. Remember, you're asking them to give you their time, their experience, and most importantly, the product of their mind. And if you've been in business for 10 years or more, make yourself available to these newer construction companies and entrepreneurs as a coach or mentor. We're all in this business together, and we have to succeed together. My business relies on having highly qualified, well-trained subcontractors to do a lot of the work that we can't do ourselves. And if you're not a general or you are a specialty contractor, the successful outcome of your project depends on having good, qualified people to be able to do the work and good material suppliers that can supply you the things that you need. Don't be afraid to ask for help, and don't be afraid to learn everything that you can learn about the business that you're in. In addition, consider forming a mastermind group of contractors in your area. This should be anywhere between four and ten contractors that you get together on a monthly, biweekly, or whatever you arrange to discuss the problems that you're facing and the opportunities that you have within your group. These don't have to be competitors. They can be individual trade contractors or any mix that you want but just be sure that the group is of one like mind to be able to share and keep confidential everything that's shared within that group. This has been invaluable for me over the past three years. And if you want either myself or one of the other members here on our staff to be a coach or mentor, I recommend that you join the Construction Business Mastery Alliance. The sole purpose of the organization is to provide that assistance. To join, just go to cbmamember.com. And remember, don't hope that you will succeed. Plan for success.